Welcome back to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. Today's guest is comedian Lucas Corvada, and he talks about how making a woman laugh in Vegas saved his life. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be, and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most, and I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings, and I'm glad to present to you another guest to have on the show, and his name is Lucas Corvada. And I'm excited to have Lucas on because we're going to talk about, you know, what he's doing to fulfill life's yearnings, and especially since because there's a three-hour time difference between us, and it's 7 a.m. where he's at. So anyone that's <laughs> willing to get up that early to be on the Fulfilling Life's podcast is definitely someone that I want to talk with. So without further ado, Lucas, thanks for coming on the show, and how are you today? Thank you. Thank you for having me, Blake. I am awesome. It's great to be here this morning and uh, and to be up so early, which is not the, the norm for me. So um, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So just jumping into it, Lucas, can you talk about you know, what you do? Because I was reading through your email and, and I was just so interested and intrigued about your background and, and, and where you come from and the things that you're up to now. So can we start there? Sure. Uh, what I'm up to right now, I, I just wrapped a a weekend at Comic Con. I was uh, I'm the resident stand-up comedian for most of the Comic Cons in the Southwest. Wrapped that this weekend, and uh, have some events, really fun events. One of them that I love hosting is speed dating because you get to see the interaction of people and really open them up to conversating with other individuals who are also wanting to um, to date and find their soulmate and. And uh, especially at Comic Cons, because um, a lot of those individuals are introverted, and so for them, it's hard for them to um, to come out and express themselves and meet somebody new. So uh, that's one of the things that I love doing, and it's it's a gig that um, that I really appreciate. So that was this weekend. I um, I'm a stand up comedian, and like I said earlier, stand up comedian and actor. I was in I've been in a couple commercials, um, a few films. Uh, a couple TV pilots. They haven't taken off just yet, but uh, there's always the hope that, that they'll be revived and, and come back. But um, yeah, uh, my message is is pretty simple. Comedy saved my life. And I know that's something that we'll get into shortly, but um, yeah, that's basically who I am. I, I was associate producer of a TV show called Duke City Comedy League. And uh, that ran for two seasons. It was a regional show for the CW. And um, yeah, now that's very interesting. So thank you for sharing that. And you talk about how how you're doing these different things. And you're right, we'll, we will get to that. And you say comedy saved your life. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into there. What do you what do you mean by that when you say that? Well, um, you know, from a very young age, I you you have I had that comedy knack. I had that it was innate to make people laugh. And then I started using it as a resource to uh, for anti bullying. You know, uh, growing up effeminate and and um, obviously gay. Even though I didn't know what my certain traits were growing up in school, I was bullied and and teased and picked on. And um, being able to make somebody laugh, being able to make the jock laugh um, in school. Saved me from a lot of 
of bullying and, and actually I made friends with a lot of them because they just thought I was funny, you know? And so now they wanted me around, uh, because I could make them laugh and, and there was no longer any bullying, um, from those certain guys. But, uh, about nine years ago, I was, I was in Las Vegas. I was moving to Vegas for, um, for school. I had one, I wanted to apply for, uh, a college for fashion okay. and I moved to, to Las Vegas, Nevada. And in the process, um, I had met, met a guy that I started dating and I thought this was true love. You know, um, I had never really dated any, I had dated one other guy prior and it was in a very small town. I was closeted. I hadn't come out to my family at that point. And so I moved to Vegas and, and ended up meeting this guy and, and we dated and he dumped me while I was there. We had been dating for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not very long, you know, but uh, being very fragile in the fragile state that I was, mm-hmm. um, moving there, not wanting to get away from the, um, I don't want to say my family, but from the small community, the small, um, maybe not the open-mindedness that, that I had at the time and, and the family support. So I decided to move and, um, and it did not work out well. Uh, I ended up living in, staying in, in the Sahara Hotel after um, we broke up and, and I was there and just really contemplating life. You're in a city with millions of people and you're all alone. And, and all of these, individ- the, the people there, they were looking for entertainment. They're looking for something. Um, and I was just looking for a friend. So I ended up in the, um, I was in the hotel room, a bar, and I remember just sitting there and and being so lonely and thinking, you know, I'm going to go up and take my pills. I had already had it, I had it planned out uh, and went downstairs for a drink, actually. It was a pina colada because it's the only, um, it's the only drink that I remember actually, that I remember because of the song, the pina colada song by Rupert Holmes, which is, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Escape. And so um, went down there, ordered that, and a woman um, came and sat next to me, and she asked, what are you drinking? And, and, and I told her, and uh, the bartender actually got another straw, and I said, here, why don't you, why don't you have a, a sip, you know, try it. And she did. She liked it, and the bartender made her one, and we started chatting, and she said, you know, my, um, my boyfriend and I are here on vacation. He's never been here before, and he already lost $1,000. Mm. And, um, and I said, well, it's a good thing that you didn't take him to a strip show. He would have lost his, <laughs> he would have lost his, uh, his shirt and his pants too. And she thought it was funny, you know, and she laughed and she engaged in conversation and said, what are you doing? Where are you from? And we got to know each other. And, and I told her that I had just been dumped and, and, um, she said, you know, come hang out with us for the next three days. Come spend some time with us. We'll be here. And so, that moment that changed my life because at that point I had somebody to hang out with. I had somebody who actually had an interest in me who knew I was gay and I had no problem telling because they didn't know who I was either. And so there was no connection. There's no, um, rejection. I had no fear of her rejecting me because I didn't know her. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier to talk to her. And so that changed my life. The fact that I made her laugh at a bar and she was able to engage and say, Hey, come hang out with us. We think you're cool. 
we like you. I met her boyfriend. I believe his name was Travis. I can't quite remember. Um, I know her name was Trish. And we hung out. And this was that moment, that time that I had with another, with someone else that now called me a friend that I was able to sit back and say, you know, my, my life does have value. And I'm able to make somebody laugh. I'm able to engage and have fun with somebody. Um, and that's what suicide awareness is uh, and prevention is about, is giving somebody, uh, somebody recognizing that amount of that space and time and saying, if I can just get over this moment, this hurdle in my life, if I can just allow myself that small amount of time to get over what I'm going through, because life is going to get so much better than it is right now. And that's really what changed my life was um, recognizing that is just the temporary moment. If I give myself time to heal, time to love, time to reach out to somebody, um, because when you're in a depressed state, you don't tend to reach out. You don't want to reach out. Right. You know, you want to be reclusive. You want to sit back. You don't want people to know um, what you're going through. But if you do reach out and you do find that moment, um, life can be so much better. And in the long run, you could be here on a podcast talking to you about (laughs) how that moment in my life was changed because I allowed myself that time. Absolutely. And you know what? Thank you for sharing that because to me, just just listening to that, you know, just, you know, nodding my head up and down with everything that you were saying, it's just so powerful and I want to applaud you for for being able to you know talk about this and and not keep it in so that other people can can see that that like you say you know life is a journey and enjoy the ride and live it authentically and 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 for me to hear you talk about what what you were going through and to making that friend it's just like wow you know just the the people that happen to present themselves in our lives, you know, in our moments of needs. And, and you were actually able to make them laugh, which is, which is really cool. So, so from, from when you did that and, and you started talking about, you know, suicide awareness and, and prevention, what, what do you add that into your, you know, your comedy performances or what does your work in that, uh, in that area look like? Well, that's interesting because um, right now what, what I'm working on is the message behind my comedy. There's always uh, some level of truth or, or, or a message behind a, any comedian. Almost any comedian out there can tell you that there is some truth behind all forms of comedy. And the message, the, the message behind my comedy is, yeah, it is raunchy. Yeah, there are things that, that, um, that I talk about on stage but it's true, you know. It's real life stuff. If if I, um, and that's that's really what I'm trying to get out through my comedy is is the message behind it is that I was down in the dumps. You know, I felt like hell. I felt like committing suicide. Um, I was there. I know what that feels like. And every single day, the thing that keeps me going because depression. One of the you know one of the signs of depression is that you you don't want to get out you don't want to do things you don't want to socialize you want to be introverted. One of the things that I do is I get out there when I am feeling 
down in the dumps, I say, I've got to book a show. I have got to do something. I have got to keep myself going. I've got to be up at seven in the morning. Um, and actually, I got up earlier because I didn't want to just, show, you know, I want to be somewhat prepared for today's show. Um, so waking up at six in the morning to be on a radio show with you at seven o'clock is not a problem because I know that I am not going to sit around and be depressed throughout the day. I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. You have things to do. You have people to see. Um you know, and and the fact that my comedy is somewhat raunchy, it reaches an audience right now that is getting it because we're bombarded with sex. We're bombarded with all these images all day long. But if I can make somebody laugh through that and they can forget about their uh, about their day and they can have a happier day, then why not? Um, this weekend I got to entertain a group of of Air Force um, of Air Force men um, that serve. And, and they were out in, uh, in Albuquerque for training. And it was such a joy to be able to entertain them for, it was at a speed dating event and they just wanted to laugh because mm-hmm. they have had mm-hmm. so much go on in their life throughout the past two years. One, uh, one of the individuals I met, he came back and, and his wife said, you know, you've been gone so long. I, I don't feel like I know you. And he was handed divorce papers. Wow. And that just, you know, that breaks my heart after performing for them and, and, and entertaining them. And he said, you got me out of my world for the time that we were laughing. And I appreciate that. And that's really what, what a comedian's job is, is, is to entertain, make people laugh, get them out of their world, let them live vicariously through your world is my, you know, is what I love. Um, being able to share stories and, and make them laugh. And like you said, every single day, the lady that, that I got to speak or, or make laugh in at the hotel, mm-hmm. uh, Trish, she was my angel, you know, and, and maybe I was hers. Um, we both connected. And I think that's the, that's one of the best things of being human is we can always connect to the emotion of laughter. Um, it is universal. Everyone knows certain emotions. We all know hate. We all know anger. We all know emotions that, that, um, that lead to the negative side. And sometimes we focus more on those instead of the ones that lead to the positive side. And if laughter can do that for an individual, why not share that experience? Absolutely. So what does it feel like when, when you have that, that, uh, the army, um, or the air force? Yeah. The guys from the air force, the guys from the air force and, and someone comes up, you know, to you and, and says that to you, how does, how does that make you feel about, you know, what you're doing? And I know you alluded to it a little bit, what, but what's that, that deep feeling that you get that, um, those emotions that you go through? Oh, Blake, they are profound happiness and humbleness. Um, it is, uh, it's humbleness. You're just humbled, you know? Right. No, I, I definitely get that. And I mean, I'm in tears right now because, mm-hmm. uh, it is the most humble experience an individual can ever have to, to have an, somebody that has been out there and has seen the worst. And he, and he put it to me like this, we have seen the worst, but, um, for him to come and say, you made me laugh. And I've had that on other occasions. I was performing a gig. It was um, for Pride Month, and it was an outside gig. Beautiful day. I, it was just a, a, 
I had an awesome experience on stage. I entertained, you know, you were riding the flow. It's all about uh, celebrating pride, which is great. I get it. And and we're happy to be who we are. But uh, after a show, performing uh, an outside gig, a woman came up to me and she said, you know, I... um, you were so funny and I'm so sorry that I, I laughed at you. I laughed at some of the jokes you said about yourself. And I, I said, no, it's great. You have to laugh. That's why I said those jokes so you could laugh. And she said, but, um, you know, I was di- I have HIV. My husband gave me HIV. Mm. She said, and, and for that time that you were on stage, I just got to enjoy and forget all of my life's problems. I forgot the fact that I of the disease I have. I forgot that her son had passed away uh, Mm. several months before. I mean, this is a woman who's broken. And she's just coming up to me saying, hey, you made me laugh. I forgot about all my problems because I enjoyed listening to your problems, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, And I was able to make my problems, my tragedy, I was able to turn my tragedy into a comedy. And... What better situation to be in in life than to be able to find the humor in my tragedy, in your tragedy, in life's tragedies, and in life's blessings as well. It's not just always about, you know, oh, you know, life is so bad. It's about this really happened to me and I got (laughs) myself into this situation and I had to get myself out of it. And this is how I did it. And they get to enjoy that, you know, and they get to, um, to live really, uh, certain part of my life, my, my grandpa, for example, the tragedy and, and, and the comedy, I'll show you that is I, I lived with my parents for about six months. And Mm -hmm. during that time, my, my, my parents are taking care of my grandpa because he had gotten really, um, elderly and he had, uh, he had dementia. He was getting dementia. And so he became abusive. He started, uh, becoming abusive with, with my family and, and, um, and he he couldn't see, and he went to hit my sister because he thought it was me. Mm. And so the joke is, um, the joke is my grandpa was confusing me for my sister. So I grew facial hair. Now he confuses. <laughs> <laughs> now he confuses me for. Uh, now he confuses me for my mother. You know, and but that joke, and and I have a lot of other grandpa jokes, and and they all come from that time, that duration of time, that six months that I lived with my grandpa, um, you know, my grandpa, uh, I used to live with a, dirt, with a dirty old man. He would dance around the kitchen table naked. I would tell him, put some clothes on. This isn't strip bingo, grandpa. <laughs> he and I both lived with my parents, him to avoid living in the nursing home and me to avoid from working there. <laughs> so, you know, that... All, all of those jokes, they really do stem from my experience of living with my grandpa, which was a very difficult thing. I lived with my parents for six months, and then I said, I can't do this anymore. You know, I just can't. Um, I don't have the patience, and, and plus, I'm young, and I need to find my own path. So right. no problem. But those experiences happened because I lived with my grandpa, and he was going through dementia, and I had to understand that. And now I'm learning to love my grandpa, even though he's passed away, mm-hmm. but for that time I had, he was such a fun man to live to be around when I was growing up, but living with him, um, was a different story. And, and I grew hate and anger toward him. Definitely. And now, 
because I saw the things he put my parents through. And now I'm able to say it wasn't him. It was what he was going through. And I'm learning to love my grandpa, even though he's no longer here. I'm able to say, I, I love him. You know, I love my grandpa for that time in my life that he was good and he was funny and he, and growing up, he was a great grandpa. Um, so that's really what, what comedy is for me is, uh, the tragedy was I lived with my grandpa and now I've got jokes about him. You know, I've got great jokes that are fond and are not, uh, not mean. They're not, they're not putting him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just real life. You know, those are real life things and I'm able to talk about it in a way that is funny. And now through that, I am finding my healing of now I am learning to love my grandpa. Mm. And, um, yeah. How do you, how do you do that? You know, when you're, when you're going through, you know, the shit, excuse my French and, and you're, and you're in those situations and in those moments, how do you then come away from that and, and make sense of it to, to put it in comedy? Cause I know, you know, a lot of us, we go through things and we get so, uh, so deep into it that we can't find our way back out or even to, to process it the way you do and then turn it into comedy. So how do you do that? I pull myself out, I pull myself away from that situation because if it's a negative situation that is going to if it's a negative in my life then I want to pull myself away from that situation my grandpa um and what I couldn't understand what he was going through at the time I didn't understand it um you know because it was immediate it was there he was becoming a different person and and so I had to pull myself away from, from that situation. Any negative situation in my life, I, I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of that negative situation. Um, and sometimes it's not, you know, picking up and moving, physically moving. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be, um, I need a break. I need a two-hour break. And I wish I would have done that in my, my last relationship because I've been, I've been single now for a year. Um, but my last relationship, I wish there were... If I could go back and do it again, there were moments that I would say, I'm going to just pull away. I'm not going to engage in, um, in conversation. I'm just going to pull myself away from that for a couple hours so I can think things through and I can come back with an open mind. And that's really what, I, what I've had to do, you know, is just pull myself away um, from those negative thoughts and those negative situations. So, And then come back and revisit it with an open mind and say, what is the positive here? What are the things that I need to look at in order to move on from this? What are those things that I, that I need to change? And, um, and first, reflect upon myself. You know, I need to see, see it for myself and then be able to visualize it in somebody else's shoes because there's always two sides to every, to every situation. So if I can understand the other person better, um, but for me, it really is pulling myself out of that negative situation and then come ba- coming back and revisiting it through different eyes, through a different way of thinking. Okay, I get it. That makes a lot of sense to me. So it's like you're, just a paraphrase, you're removing yourself and not reacting immediately, but allowing your time to say, okay, well, like what happened here? And then before you're reactive to, to, to any sort of negative thing that goes on. And then- yeah. 
and then you're able to take that and and make sense of it for your comedy. So when you're when you're doing your comedy and and you're preparing or or you're going through you know the things that you want to talk about, are there moments when you're like ah, I don't know if I should share that joke. Uh, yes, there are times where you're like, you know, maybe that's, that's too personal for me right now. And I'm not ready to talk about it. Um, it took me four months after my, my breakup for me to get on, for me to even get on stage. I didn't want to get on stage and talk. I had done this before. I had been, um, I had dated a guy for a couple months, uh, not not the last guy, but um, anyway, dated him for about three months, and and we broke up. And I had a show that night, and the the context of my show was around the breakup. It was not it was not anything funny. It was not an, it was more me venting, and I realized how how it affected my comedy because I had let it get negative. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, there are negativities and there's negativities in comedy and I I have them in there because they open the door to a positive. But, um, but I was focusing just on the negative and I didn't, it was a total bomb night. You know, I did not perform well. The audience didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to, I didn't even want to talk about it. It was just the only thing that was on my mind at the time. And so I really just had to step back and say, I, I don't want to perform that type of comedy, you know, there's, um, so I, I, yeah, I just had to give myself that space. I gave myself four months after the breakup to really evaluate and, and first of all, let my heart heal. My heart had to heal, um, after the last breakup. So I wouldn't go there, you know, and, and, and then I was able to find jokes that were create material that was funny and not negative, but it was, it was funny. It's campy. And, and so I, I'm able to revisit it now. No, I get that a lot. And, and you say you do a lot of work now giving, uh, are, would you call them you're giving speeches at colleges or, or is that part of your comedy tour as well? No, it's, it's something that I want to focus on that I'm focusing on that is aside from comedy, comedy has a big part of it, mm-hmm. but it's something that I am focusing on um, aside from just a stand-up routine. A stand-up routine is you deliver a joke, you know, every 15 seconds, every 10 seconds, you've got something, you know, you're constantly letting it, letting the jokes fly out. You know, you're, um, you're always looking for that laugh. What I'm focusing on mo- um, aside from that is talking about suicide prevention and awareness and and how if you just allow yourself time and you focus on the positive and not the negative you are going to set yourself up for better chances of to succeed and also um allow yourself that time so and reach out to people so you're not um thinking about suicide you're not thinking about ending your life or the negatives and I was just reading something um, a couple of days ago that, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, I was explaining it to a friend that if you're passing a ball to a friend, your distance and my distance, if, if I'm passing a ball to you, it's going to be easier for you to catch a ball that is closer to you if I'm just tossing it to you. Right. And it's the same thing with negative and positive thoughts. 
the more you have a positive thought close, the more you're, you're used to grabbing onto that positive thought and grabbing it like that ball that I'm tossing you. The closer that thought is, the easier it's going to be for you to catch. Now, if you replace that with a negative, then it's going to be easier for you to catch that negative thought than it is for you to catch that positive thought because that positive thought is a thousand yards away versus being, you know, 10 feet away from you. So it's the negative and positive, whichever you feed, whichever, whichever you engage in quicker and respond to faster, that's the one that is going to thrive more in your life. So if you are reaching that positive thought, constantly just looking for the positive instead of the negative, you're going to have a much more positive life. You're going to live a much more positive and and um, and easier and happier life when you start reaching out for those, when you start listening to just those positives instead of those negatives. And that's what I want to do in my life. I hope other people would do that, you know, is um, start looking for the positives, not the negatives in your life. And that that's really one of the things that um, that helped me, you know, was was always finding those positive nuggets and what is going to encourage me, what is going to be uplifting to me um, versus what are the things that are going to put me down and the negatives. And we have negatives every single day. You know, I'm driving through a school, mm-hmm. a, a school uh, near a school and they've got, you know, I'm late for a meeting Well, I was doing some cussing waiting behind those buses, you know, like hurry the F up. I've got a meeting to get to. I had not intended to take that route. You know, it was, it was not on my normal, on my normal route, but, um, you know, that's a negative. And I was seeing that negative (laughs) instead of seeing the positive, Hey, you know, it slowed me down. I'm able to relax, put on the radio, sing a song, Lucas. That is the positive. Get yourself get your mind going in a different direction. That was not Lucas. And, and, um, you know, and I will talk about that on stage, you know, (laughs) that's, there's funny things to be had in, in the negatives, but turning them into a positive is always the best thing. And, um, you know, so that's the focus that I, that's the thing that I want to focus on the most, um, because it's turning that negative experience that I had into a positive coming out of the closet. That's a whole totally different. I mean, that's a different subject all in itself that has both positives and negatives. Mm-hmm. The negative was I didn't think my family was going to love me coming out of the closet because I was grown. I was raised in a conservative, very Christian home where where that was not accepted. Okay. The, the joke is, uh, you know, growing up, my parents didn't let me watch Ellen DeGeneres because they were afraid she was going to turn me into a lesbian. <laughs> You know, meanwhile, I was watching Neil Patrick Harris and jerking off to him turned me gay. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that was the, the, the negative was my parents were so at the time, at the time they were so close minded about, uh, about gays and lesbians that they didn't let us watch, uh, Ellen DeGeneres and, and they didn't let me watch Roseanne when they had, um, uh, Bernhardt on there as a le- when she came out as a lesbian. There were so many of those shows that were very prolific for for my time because they had gay and lesbian characters, um, and my parents didn't let me watch them because they were afraid that it was something. Meanwhile, I was wearing high heels in my mom's closet at the age of three. You know, mm-hmm. so I was born with it. It's not <laughs> something that was uh, oh he's gonna you know attach to that identify, right. but it helped those characters help me identify and help me. Um, find something that I could relate to 
And now that's what I, I want for, you know, I would love that for, for other individuals. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a long, very long journey. <laughs> no, I get, no, I definitely get that. And I wanted to ask too, is, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, that you're gay and, and how your parents, you know, were probably closed minded to it, how, you know, do you, how do you address that subject with, you know, with everything that's going on and people are saying, well, you know, they can stop doing that. Whereas I'm, you know, like you were saying, you know, you were born that way. It's not something that's like, oh, you were like, oh, I'm just going to do this and be this way. But how do you, you know, address that and, 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 um, and be able to, you know, respond to someone, uh, I guess, in- intelligently or whatever, and not, and not come off as like, not knowing what you're talking about. Well, you said something, how can you stop being gay? I would like you to stop being straight. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to stop being straight? And I heard it, I heard it said the other day, um, you know, what, what was the joke? Um, a straight man, it's, it's like going up to a straight man and saying, hey, you, uh, you need to suck cock, <laughs> you know? Yeah, a straight man doesn't want to. Right. He's 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 led to to liking and loving and appreciating the hum, the the female form. That's great. And most of my friends, I'll tell you, most of all my friends are straight. Um, but they can't tell me, hey, you need to go and 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 love a woman and be with a woman and sleep with one and, and experience all that because it's not the way I was built. I don't have any sexual attraction for that. That is hmm. not that is not in my mind. It never ha- it never has been. You know, from a very young age, I remember not being attracted to um, one one memory that just came to mind was when we found um, a box of my uncle's Playboys and and he had Hustlers and he had you know he had all sorts of adult magazines in his right. garage, and because they we had no internet then, you know, we didn't have uh, we didn't have the internet, so we found his magazine porn. And I remember going through it and the guy, and my cousins are like, wow, she's got big tits, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, he's got a nice penis, you know? <laughs> um, and that was a, a very young age. I remember those, I rem- I have those memories. And so, um, it's something that I was, I was born this way. There is no, and my mom will, you know, when I came out to my mother, I was, uh, it was right after being in Vegas and I, I went to LA for a couple months and spent time there with friends. And, and one friend said to me, she said, uh, because I was debating coming out of the closet to my parents. And she said, you always have a family here. You have a support system here in LA. Um, you've, I met a lot of her gay friends and she said, you know, my friends are now your friends. You don't have to worry about if your parents disown you and they kick you out, mm-hmm. you always have a place. And so coming back to New Mexico and, and, and telling my parents that I coming out of the closet to my parents. Um, and I, the day I told my mom, I remember it was, um, a very nice, sunny, warm evening. And, and I was so embarrassed to tell my mom because I didn't want her to think less of me that I went out and bought a case of wine. (laughs) It was (laughs) plum loco from St. Clair's, took it over to the house and, and we were drinking wine and, and we were under the porch and it was still so there was the porch lights were on and I, I couldn't, I didn't want to see the disappointment in her face. So okay. I said, let's go out to, let's go out to the field and, and, um, I have something to tell you, but 
but I don't want to tell you here. And I didn't want to see the disappointment on her face. And I remember looking up to the stars and it was such a clear night. And I told her, um, I said, I have something to tell you. I, I, and she said, what? What's the matter? What's wrong? And she became very concerned. And I said, I'm gay. And it was such a small thing for her. You know, I had, I had put so much negative energy on this part of my life. And she said, I, I know you are. I, I've always known you were. Mm. I've always known you, you were. I just didn't know if you were. And my parents had accepted, my mother especially, had accepted the fact that I was gay before I even accepted it. Wow. And it was just something that, you know, I had to, um, I had to confess to her. And, and the moment I did, it was such a relief. And from that moment on, I decided I'm going to live my life authentically. And I, I started working in, in the film industry, uh, started working as a background actor. <laughs> and, and those were some of the most humbling days of my life because I knew that I had my mom's support and I still have my mom's support. I still have my parents and my, my sisters, my siblings' support um, because that was the hardest thing in my life to say to my mom was, I am gay. The second person was my dad and that I, you know, I've been out of the closet to my mom for uh, eight, eight and a half years. It's going to be nine years, I guess. Okay. Um, and this summer it'll be, it'll be nine years, but I hadn't told my dad mm-hmm. until last year. Mm. My dad and I had never had the, this conversation until, um, a year ago. And it was for family. We went on a, on a family trip for Christmas and we, okay. we usually do one every year. And, um, we're sitting out, we're, we're out there, uh, my parents rented a cabin and we're out by the campfire and my dad and I just had this conversation. I felt that it was the right time. And he said, I know, you know, I've, I've known that you were and doesn't change anything. And from that moment on, I was able to become the son that my dad has wanted, has wow. always wanted. I love working outside with my dad. Now we have a, uh, a bond. They they have a family, a micro farm, and I I go out to the farm and I help them on the farm. Before I detached myself from it, I wanted nothing to do with with the farm. I wanted nothing to do with um, with living it, working it, and being mm-hmm. a part of it. And so I attached to the total opposite end of I love wearing heels. I love wearing makeup, which I still do. I love dressing up and, and being that person on stage and, and going out and feeling nice and beautiful and having, um, having wearing nice stuff and, and right. dressing up. I love that. But I love going to the farm and working with my dad and being able to get dirty and not worry about what I'm wearing, who's looking or what's going on. I am just engaged in the moment with my family and it's created a much stronger bond for us, especially with my nephews and nieces who are um, who are growing up, and they're going to be the next generation. And so, I it it's now an amazing feeling, especially from where I was nine years ago. So, um, it is so true. It life gets so much better. You just have to work at the positives and 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 think about positive things, think about good things, and you will achieve your dreams. And at the moment, I am living proof that you can live them and, and getting to your dream. There's no final destination. You know, it's just adding one more thing. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, you know, I want to go on a cruise to Alaska. I want to tour Alaska. 
that is a dream that I'm going to live towards. At the moment, last year, I got to perform at the Chemo Theater, and that was a dream of mine. I remember six years ago, walking on the stage at the Chemo Theater. Mm -hmm. I was part of a touring group, and I remember being there on stage and saying, one of these days, I am going to perform on this stage. And last year, I got to perform on that stage to a sold-out house. I believe it holds 600 people. Wow. And the best part of this, Blake, was um, the best part of it was that my mom was in the audience, and she got to see me perform live for the very first time. And um, so it was just the cherry on top of that ice cream because I was living a dream of performing on a stage that I wanted to perform on. And my mom was now in the audience listening to me. And the best part of that, I go back and I review that video usually once a week. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I review it usually once a week. And the best part is I can recognize my mom's laughter in a crowd of 600 people. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing. You know, it's, um, you know, that that's that's an amazing fleet for me. That's that's living my dream. I wanted to perform in Vegas. I I never performed a show in Vegas. And Mm -hmm. uh, three weeks ago, I got to perform in Vegas, Nevada. And and it was a great show. It was so spontaneous. And the way it happened, um, it was so great. You know, and so it's all those little things, you know, all those little pieces of living your dream. Now you just aspire to a little bit more. And just a little bit more. And so I never see retirement in my future. I never want to say I am a retired stand-up comedian mm-hmm. because I always want to be making somebody laugh. I never want to. I never want to have those words. Um, I'm retired. I never want that because then it kind of feels like your your dreams are over. It just doesn't feel. I get paid to do what I love doing the most, and that's mm-hmm. laugh and entertaining and talking. So I hope I never retire. <laughs> you know what? Uh- I loved hearing what you were saying because that was to me was so profound. And then, and then just to talk about how you were, how how coming out to your how coming out to your parents was first your mom and then your dad was the most difficult thing that you've ever had to do. And then how now it sounds like you know the since getting over that now everything else seems like you know it's easy and that it's that it's easy to go out there and, and, and be you and, and be authentic to yourself and just do the things that, that, that truly make you happy and then being able to go out there and show others that, that they can do that as well. You know, that, that touched me. You know, I'm smiling as I'm listening to you share <laughs> your stories and talk about, you know, being able to perform in Vegas or even performing and being able to hear your mom's laughter out of 600 people. It's amazing. I love that video. I go back to it and I can I can pinpoint her laugh and and it's amazing it because I know I know it's hers and and my sisters have watched the video. I've got two I have two sisters and they've watched okay. the video. They're like, "That's mom. That's mom." <laughs> <laughs> so talk about you know your role models. Who who do you look up to and who kind of inspired you to to do what you're doing? Um, well, there's so many different role models and it's, it's different people every Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's always for comedy, 
the moment I saw Joan Rivers on stage, I said, she is hilarious. I love her because she, she's talking about things that I, that at the time I was thinking. Okay. And, um, and so I, I admire her and, and what she has done for comedy. Um, you know, and, and the, the, there is always some form of truth. Like I said, some form of truth in, in comedy, but, um, they, the people that I look to up to are the ones that I have um, actual relationships with, friendships with. Um, this weekend at, at Comic Con, I've got to know a lot of volunteers and a lot of the staff from from um, from these gigs, and they have become my family. They have become an inspiration to me because when when they come up to me and say, "You know, Lucas, we see the things that you're doing, and we are just so proud," and we know that someday you're going to, you're just following your dream and, and it's going to lead to great and awesome things. And having that type of inspiration, those friends in my life that, um, that aren't jealous because sometimes they're, you, you have friends and, and if they're speaking negative to you about your dreams and, and fulfilling your life's journey, that's negative and, and, and it's jealousy most of the time. You know, and I don't want that in my life. I don't have friends like that in my life. I don't want them in my life. I want friends that are going to speak positively to me and support me because I know my journey and I'm living it authentically. So the the heroes in my life are the ones that that say, you know, you're doing what you're doing and because of you I'm going to do what I what I what my life's purpose is. And we feed off of each other. We Feet is the wrong word. We inspire each other. Right. It becomes mm-hmm. synergy. That becomes synergy for for us. Um, they're the everyday people. Um, my grandma, my grandpa. They are probably the biggest influence um, in my life. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a small a small little article on on comedians and tragedy. And they said, you know, how do comedians get over tragedy in their life? Right. And one example was um, my grandpa. He passed away a year ago. It's going to be, um, it's going to be, uh, it's a year and a half ago, actually, that he passed away. Okay. And the day that he, I was jogging, he lives about two miles from my parents and, and we knew he was, um, he was going to pass away. And this is my mom's dad or stepdad rather. And so he, mm-hmm. I would go jogging to his house and, and every day I'd go jogging. And, and this day, uh, you know, this one particular day he passed away and, and I was just filled with emotion. And I, I, I ran back, I was running, jogging back to my, my parents' house and I posted on Facebook. I said, I just need jokes. I need jokes. I don't care what type of jokes, how raunchy they are, what they're about. Mm-hmm. Just send me jokes. I had over 180 some jokes that were uh, sent into my Facebook and I read every wow. single one of them. Um, but at my grandpa's funeral, my mom asked me a couple minutes before, about 10 minutes before the funeral, if I would give a couple words and I hadn't prepared anything. But I remembered the one story that my mom always told me about my grandpa. And this is actually her stepdad because her dad passed away when she was 10. Okay. And so, um, my grandpa, my step grandpa raised 
my mom, basically. And um, everyone, of course, in, in the funeral knew this. But I said, um, my grandma and grandpa used to tell me about a story about my mom. And when she was 16, 15, 16 years old, it was during Christmas. And my grandpa bought my mom a new pair of boots that she wanted. And my grandpa had to save for them and um, gave them to my mom. And my mom asked uh, this a couple days after Christmas. And my mom asked my grandpa if he if she could borrow the car to go visit my dad. Okay. And my dad lived two you know like two miles uh, north of of my mom. And actually, she asked to borrow the car to go to her friend's house, which lived south of my grandparents. And she went and, and visited her friend, and then she detoured about two miles to visit my dad. And my my grandparents didn't know this. Okay. And it was during the time that my parents were dating. And so she went and visited my dad. And on the way back home, my mom's boot got stuck in the, in the, uh, on the gas pedal of a Ford Mustang. My grandpa oh, no. had a Ford Mustang, yes. And she plowed into a fence. My mom just plowed into a fence and almost hit a house. Oh, my goodness. And uh, because her foot got stuck, well, she had to go back and face the music that, you know, the car she wrecked the car. She had to drive the car back and it was damaged and all scratched up. And my grandpa, my grandma was like, you know, I can't believe you. You weren't supposed to go. And my grandma's yelling at my, at my mom and my grandpa, who isn't even my mom's real dad said, you know, it doesn't matter, Ramona, my, you know, Tina's safe. The -hmm. car can be replaced, but Tina is safe and nothing happened to her. The car can be replaced. And that was my grandpa's love for my mom and for um, all of his adopted kids and, and for his adopted family. He chose us as his family. And that's such a beautiful thing that my grandpa was able to, to treat my mom. There was no distinction. Everyone would have thought that my mom was his child. Mm. And so we choose to love. And uh, my grandpa chose to love my mom. And I was able to get up there and, and make and entertain and, and say that story. And I said, you know, um, it's a good thing my, my grandpa bought my mom her boots because she was going to need them for walking. <laughs> and, of course, this is a time that everyone was crying and, and, and sobbing. But saying that, everyone started laughing. And it, and it touched a part of, of, their, of the people's hearts who were listening. You know, I told a story and through laughter, you know, laughter came, uh, through tears came laughter. I love that line in Still Magnolias. The best emotion is laughter through tears. Mm. That is, that is truly incredible and so profound. So I really do appreciate you sharing that. And, and just to wrap up here and, and before we even get to that point, I just want to applaud you and say, you know, that. And I'm so proud that I had the the opportunity to to speak with you and and learn your story and and talk about the positive things that you are doing in the world, even as you have overcome you know your different struggles in life and how you can reflect back on those and share those you know for your comedy pieces and just be able to get people out of their own world and into a different one where they can forget about their problems and just laugh. So that is so that is really incredible. So uh, again, I just want to applaud you for doing those things. I think that's truly amazing, and I loved hearing your story. And the two final questions that I have, you know, from from your life, um, 
what would be your call to action to us about you know being able to 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 live in our truth and then also your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings well i think first of all is living authentically you need to live an authentic life um it makes life so much easier and happier when you're who you were meant to be and and living authentically whether you are you know and and i say that with the leanings toward being you know if you are a uh, gay and in the closet and you're having a hard time with that, you know, that's the leaning. That, but there's other things. Living life authentically isn't just about, you know, coming out of the closet. It's about exactly that fulfilling your life's destiny and, and finding the things that make you happiest. That is living life authentically. You know, for me, it I am most passionate about being a stand-up comedian, about entertaining, um, about being able to make somebody laugh or having this message that I'm give, sharing with you now, it could be a stand-up routine at Azul's in Palm Springs. You know, it could be <laughs> it could be performing at a club and making somebody laugh, or it could be at seven in the morning um, giving this radio show. Um, that to, I am living life authentically. For you, it's living life authentically. Whatever that may be, if it is um, saying, you know, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. I'm going to go for a run just because it makes me feel happiest and start getting on that, um, on that cycle of what, what makes you happiest, what makes, what fulfills your life. Um, it could be volunteering. You know, if, if you love working with, with youth and, and kids, then volunteer, find, um, find an organization, you know, big brothers, big sisters, um, the boys and girls school, um, or Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. um, if it is, if somebody touched your heart because they have HIV, then volunteer at an AIDS clinic. Um, whatever it may be, if, if your brother had cancer, reach out to people that have it. The thing about fulfilling your life's destiny isn't about yourself. It's about giving to others because that's where you see the seeds grow. You see, you see the seeds grow when you give of yourself to others. And um, sure, my comedy is very selfish. It's talking about me. It's talking about my family because I'm sharing my life experience with you. I'm sharing my journey. I'm sharing my travels, being in, you know, traveling the U.S. and performing in different venues. I'm sharing that life experience. But really, the secret is about giving to other people, sharing your life with other people and that might be on stage or it might be giving your time uh, at, a, you know, at a food bank. It might, whatever it is, really it's about sharing your life with other people. It's not about being selfish. It's about giving of yourself. And when you can do that, I think, is when you find um, more happy. My grandma did that. I, we had so many stories after, you know, even before while she was sick and, and in the hospital. But at her funeral... We were we were bombarded with uh, with accolades and and stories of how she just gave to others and how she touched other people's lives in a very small way. Uh, one lady came up and and told my mom, um, "Your your mom was so nice when we were growing up. We didn't have we were very poor. We didn't have food. My grandma was a janitor at a at a high school. Okay, 
And she said, and, and she said, well, your mom, your grandma, your mom would uh, buy us groceries. She'd buy us a bag of groceries and she would give it to us because she knew that we didn't have. And she always said, go to school, get an education, do something with your life. My, my grandma gave of herself to others, to her students, to the students that were going to school. My, my grandma was a janitor and she was buying groceries for people, for these kids and inspiring them and telling them, go to school. She's a nurse. She was, um, in fact, she was one of the, one of my grandma's nurses at the hospital. I remember my mom telling me, um, telling me this, that she was one of the nurses at my grandma's hospital and what an amazing, remarkable life to live. The person that my mom, my grandma inspired was her caretaker at this hospital. Mm, How amazing. So So amazing. And and Mm. if we can all replicate that, if we can all just put aside our selfishness and say, I'm going to give to somebody else. And it doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to, it's not about money. It's about feeding somebody else's soul and making them feel, be inspired to do something. You know, that's the best gift you can give. I love it. Thank you again for, for sharing that and, and your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this so much. And then also, Lucas, how can we, you know, uh, keep in touch with you, um, website, uh, uh, social media links so we can check right. out what you have going on? Right. Um, well, my website is lucascorvada.com and you can find me there. I have um, my contact information on that page as well. Um, also, Facebook, Lucas Corvada. You can find me. I've got a fan page and a personal page and on Twitter, of course, I'm on Twitter. Um but really, you know, it's uh, Facebook, and Facebook is the way to get a hold of me. Um, unless you're, you know, unless there's bookings out there, if there's somebody listening and and um, and would like to book me, you can go to my my website. I've got a couple videos of of my comedy on there. I've got a long resume. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing this for for eight years nonstop, um, working in film and uh, and stand up comedy, and and now talking about suicide awareness and, and inspiring and, and motivation. Um, this is something relatively new to me, but um, I am loving it and you can just feel the energy. So if anyone out there is listening and, and they would like to book me for, for, um, for something, yeah, get a hold of me through my website or, uh, or follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Absolutely. So everything that, that Lucas was sharing will be on the blog post for today's episode. So you can definitely find all those links and resources there. And again, Lucas, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on and, and talk about your platform and what you're passionate about doing and just how you are fulfilling life's yearnings and, and giving yourself to others. Thank you, Blake. I appreciate it. I'm so glad that you're, that you're doing this and um, filling other people with inspiration. So thank you. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is, so please head on over to fulfillinglifesyearnings.com today and click on the show notes link for today's episode, which is located on the homepage, and leave a comment. The show notes page is where you can find the resources mentioned during the show and will be very valuable for you on your own journey. To stay up to date about what's happening, please subscribe to my newsletter and subscribe to the show on iTunes.
and while you're subscribing on iTunes, it would definitely mean a lot to me if you would leave a review to show future potential listeners of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings what you think as your voice helps them decide if Fulfilling Life's Yearnings is right for them. Now it's in your hands. Are you ready to fly? Until next episode, stay in the zone and make today a fly day by taking action on your dreams.